Star Wars geek girls. They're geek Hello? girls that Hello? like Star Wars. Hello. Hi, I, I, this is Zoe. I sometimes cry. Hi, Are we coming through okay? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Well, hi, Bill. Hi, Bob. We're really happy to meet you. Yes, and thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. And I just want to let you know, we're also recording our audio here uh, in case you need that, if it sounds better for you. Oh, okay. Thank you. We'll see how ours turned out and then ask you if we okay, can. Okay. Yes, you can use it as a backup if you have to. All right. Thank you so much. All right. So I guess we'll just start. Uh, so should we just start then? Yeah, we're ready whenever you are. Yep, go ahead and jump in. All right, I'll start. So, uh, Hello, my name is Zoe Hinton from Star Wars Geek Girl. Um, and I don't have Lizzie this week, but I have two very special guests. So I have Bill Motts and Bob Roth, who are the creators of Freemakers. Hello. Hello. Hi, everybody. So, um... So yeah, I have you know some questions for you about mostly about Freemakers, actually all about Freemakers. But all right, so I'll start. So I understand from you know other interviews you've done that you've both been fans of Star Wars ever since the first movie came out. That's right. Yeah, big fans. So how does loving Star Wars just like since you were a child? How does that impact the way that you write the show? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, um, I would say it, it, it kind of, you know, it's a cliche to say it's a dream come true, but it's a dream come true. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't, uh, it's not a bad thing. It's better than a poke in the eye. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, you know, I've been writing Star Wars since, uh, you know, 1977, when I got my first Star Wars figures and got bored of having me blow up the Death Star over and over and over again and decided I needed to create my own adventures for these characters. Um, so, you know, in a way, I feel like I learned to write playing in my basement with my Kenner Star Wars figures and, and building little bases for them out of Lego, um, which never worked quite right. But still... Uh, so this is this is sort of like you know a culmination of a lifetime of being a Star Wars fan. It's, it's a thrill and an honor. Um, a little scary at times, but yeah, I could say we were excited when we first heard about the opportunity to work on a show like this, and we were creating our pitch. But there was some trepidation too because we love Star Wars so much we didn't want to be the ones to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so we were actually quite nervous about it and we're even wondering if we actually should do it because it, it's so special to us that we didn't want to, uh, we were nervous if we didn't want to ruin 
Star Wars for ourselves. Thankfully, uh, I think the whole experience has been even better than we could have ever uh, hoped for or wished for. Uh, so it's yeah, actually I, enhanced our love for Star Wars. I, I don't think I could say I'm a bigger Star Wars fan when I started because that, that was just a mathematical impossibility. But <laughs> it added to this pastiche of Star Wars moments I've had throughout my lifetime. Uh, and these last few years have been this really special, real experience. Yeah. Um, I constantly have to sort of think ourselves and like, can, you, can you believe this is happening? Look at where we are right now. Look at what we're working on. Look at lines we've written are being read by these actors. And the first time you start a script just by typing the word Star Wars, like, you get a jolt. And then, you know, every now and again, it happens again. And we had Darth Vader in our first script, and by the time we got to being used to writing the words Darth Vader and not having it make us go, oh my God, we're writing Darth Vader! <laughs> You know, then we did our episode with Luke and Leia, and it started all over again. It's like, it's Luke, it's Leia, we're writing these two characters that we've loved for 40 years. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the long, rambling answer to your other well, you said that you were, like, scared that you would ruin Star Wars, so when Free Mercury's, Freemakers was first being unveiled, were you, like, nervous about what fan, how fans would react to it? Absolutely. Uh, yes, yes. Of course. Um, that said, we had been working on the show a year by that point, and we were really proud of it, and we really loved it. Um, so, you know, animation just takes a long time. And we knew, of course, you're always worried what the audience is going to think and, we, and have, a, have a reaction to it. But um, I'll say, you know, we, we've been doing, we've been in this business for a long time, and I don't think we've ever had a project that was... Um, closer to what we set out to do matched our vision um, than we had with Freemakers. Yeah. And, and it was, we, we just sort of, we had great confidence in it. Um, more than we usually do because we're not terribly confident fellows. Um, we'll, we'll second guess ourselves and, and we're full, riddled with self-doubt. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> this one we kind of like, yep, this is what the show should be. We really love it. Hope the audience loves it as much as we love it. But, um, we're going to be proud of it regardless. And also in animation, you know, as Bob said, we, we do work so far uh, ahead that I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, I think by the time the very first episode aired, we were finishing the, the last episode. Yeah, we were, we were, and, and starting the second season. Yeah. So. <laughs> so there's a lot of hope and faith, and we've got, uh, wonderful people at uh, Lucasfilm and Disney and Lego that helped us along, and it sort of felt like collectively everyone sort of looked at it like, yeah, I, I think this is working. It's pretty good. <laughs> so I think we have some confidence about it, but uh, but yes, there's also yes, there's a lot of fear and trepidation. They had a lot of confidence in that Titanic ship, and we saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, also with the show, was there, like, a specific reason you decided to make it between uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi? Because generally that's not an area covered by Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I mean, we set out, it, it was it really, it was a practical answer. Uh, we knew that uh, we wanted the show set in the original trilogy. Um, and we knew that we wanted a show that, you know, part, built into the pitch of the show is they're going to go back to 
uh, all the battles we see in the movies and in the Clone Wars and even Rebels, if we can figure out um, ways to make that work, that you know we're, we're going to see all those. We're going to revisit all those places. And it just seemed like, well, you said it's then between the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, so we have access to all the battles that uh, we see in Empire, including the Hoth battle. We knew that, like, going back to Hoth would be would be for Hoth episode. Um, so it was really sort of a practical answer. It, it was just a happy benefit there that, um, you know, that it's, it's an area that's not nearly as explored as the... Uh, the time between a new hope and empire. Right. And we also wanted the emperor and, and the uh, non yet uh, reborn, as it were, in uh, Dark Vader. <laughs> we wanted the bad guy Vader. Right. Um, and, you know, with great affection for Return of the Jedi, by the time you get there, you know, it's over. So <laughs> we, we had to, you know, we want to walk that line um, between empire and Jedi. So, um, this is another question, but I know when I was little, I would always play the Lego Star Wars games with my dad, and I understand that you two have children, so did you ever, before making the show, did you play those with your kids? Yes. Not not even before the show. I mean, before the show, yes, but also during the show, (laughs) and uh, when the Force Awakens game came out, we made sure that we got it, the Force Awakens Lego game, um, Make sure that we got it and got the downloadable Freemaker content and so you could play at Freemaker. Yeah, and uh, my younger son devoured that. Um, I'm at that point now where my son can now beat me at video games and it, it, it becomes less fun. So, uh, you know, there was, there was the joy when they were five and three, and I could be like, Yes, yeah, I'll play with you. Look at me, I'm kicking your butt. Yeah, that never lasts last very long for me. Yeah, yet. So I just sit back and, and like you guys, I'll just watch. You guys, now, you guys. now they invite me to play just so they can beat me up. Mm-hmm. Like schoolyard bullies. <laughs> so how did playing those games like affect? Did that impact anything about the show? Like, did it help you learn the Lego style of humor? Well, I, I think so. Those shows, or those shows, those games really set the tone for what Lego Star Wars is, you know, that it's this um, slightly irreverent take on the universe. And, and, you know, it's been that way since that very first uh, Phantom, like, it was, it was a Phantom Menace that go all the way through, uh, I think go all the way through the original trilogy, right? Or not, I think you're right. Yeah, no, it's, um, no, not the original trilogy, the, uh, the prequel trilogy. Um, so... So yeah, I mean those those games sort of sort of set the style. Um, you know, I mean again, they were nonverbal, and our characters talk all over the place. Um, and, you know, doing a nonverbal show for for thirteen episodes a season—that's a huge challenge. The games can work out some of the dynamics, physicality-wise, of how you know how it looks when they use a lightsaber right. and spin around and use the force. The amount of rubber rubberiness you can build into a minifigure, or lack right. lack of rubberiness in life. Um, and uh, you know, and the Lego Movie was also a big influence. Right. The Lego Movie showed us like you can tell an extended story with a little minifigure, and you can have it be funny and resonant and full of emotion and. Uh, you know, we knew that's what we wanted this show to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been, uh, without the animal spoil, because it's a spoiler, but there is a species that we use in season two for a couple episodes, and they have a unique way of getting around. And the uh, games that actually figures out 
how to uh, do that animation in a way. So we looked at how the game could figure out how to move that character for our, our show. Right. So, I mean, you kind, of, you kind of said this already, but how do you find the balance between creating a story that's funny and lighthearted while also having, you know, a lot of emotion and meaning? Well, yeah, you know, by the way, that is always the trick. Um, it's the razor's edge, I think, that we have to, to walk. Um, if you sort of slip toward the too, too much funny, it doesn't feel right. If you slip too in the serious side, it doesn't feel right. So it's constantly a balancing act. I think what we do first, though, is approach each story as a Star Wars story. Um, we think of our characters in live action terms, basically, as if these are, you know, they're not Lego characters and they're not animated characters, but they're just characters. And we think of what is the most interesting, surprising um, story that has some both comedy and depth to it. And then we kind of, after we kind of work that out, then we kind of rethink it and remind ourselves, oh, yes, now remember, this is a Lego uh, story as well. And then we kind of, go back and look for the, the inspired sort of the Lego-ness of the building and, and some of the specific Lego condos. And so also, which also kind of in this realm, when you're using, you know, like original characters like the Emperor, when do you, like, draw the line between, you know, being funny for the show but also still being true to the not-so-nice origins of the character? Yeah, it's uh, you know, we, we've got um, we've got some leeway because it's Lego, but we've also got carry back and, and Josh Lyons that we could film because we'll tell us, you know, <laughs> they're not shy about telling us when they got to be pushed too far. We got to back off. Yeah, and some of them we feel like, oh, hurts to lose, and some of them we go, yeah, we can totally do your point. We did go too far. We're innocent, please. Um, you know, I mean, the other thing is though. Um, we we uh, went back and watched Return of the Jedi. You know, we've seen it. I could quote it for you. Fade in to fade out, or I don't doubt, I guess. Um, but uh, just to refresh ourselves on the Emperor, and, and, and looking at the Emperor, we, we uh, reminded ourselves that, you know, the Emperor in that movie is a sarcastic jerk. I'm afraid we're quite safe up here from your rebel friends. He's not quite what we, we, we do push a little more with him uh, in our show, but the Emperor had a, a jerky sense of humor in that movie. Right. And that, you know, that set the tone for Palpatine as we see him uh, in our show. And one of the sort of guidelines that we follow is that uh, Darth Vader especially uh, has to be kept menacing, especially when in dealing with uh, the people he's in conflict with. So uh, you won't see him be goofy as a pilot or um, when he's wielding his lightsaber. He's formidable. Um, you will see him be a little more telling um, than the Emperor, but I, I think that also you can see some reflection of that in the films as well. But if he's dealing with a uh, rebel, he generally is pretty straightforward, sticky, uh, or at least intimidating. 
Um, and then also pertaining to original characters, what made you decide on like a battle droid for the droid companion for the Freemakers? Uh, I don't know that we have a good answer for that, but what we can say is Roger was the first fully formed character. It was, it was my idea, and then we, we first heard about the show uh, at Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, and we went to dinner after we heard kind of like the quick little briefing of what they wanted, um, which wasn't much. It was like a Star Wars show with new characters. And like, wow, that's insane. What could that possibly be? Then we went to dinner, and we just sort of over that dinner hashed out you know, a whole bunch of ideas of, you know, the, the basic the basic architecture of the show came out of there. And, you know, we had notions of characters that were going to be, going to be a family of kids. Um, Maybe we were going to be scavenger salvagers to go around the galaxy and, and use their salvage stuff to help the rebellion. Um, and we knew they needed a droid. Yeah, we knew they needed a droid. Since uh, it's uh, you got to have a droid. And, Somewhere, you know, we knew that the show was going to, uh, um, you know, encompass the entire saga, and so that meant it should encompass the Clone Wars and the prequels, and it felt like a natural fit that, like, yes, their droid is the battle droid, and that would um, have developed and push their humans so far in Clone Wars series. It felt like, yeah, let's, let's put the spotlight on one of those guys. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't remember who came up with the, the notion of his name is Roger, but I do remember us both laughing ourselves silly in the restaurant. <laughs> yes, and his name is Roger! Um, and, you know, it just, it just went from there. You know, when, when, you, when you hit on a time, when you hit on an idea that feels like it's really working, ideas bounce back, back and forth so quickly. That's when you know that, that you're on to something that's good. Um, or you're hoping to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> At least travel can build. Yes, exactly. And it's funny too, that Roger ended up you know, with a white arm, mm-hmm. and that was before we knew the secret you know, was going to get a red one. <laughs> 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 and again, there's some similar ideas floating around in the Star Wars universe at that time. Um, you uh, you mentioned uh, Matthew Wood, who he's been working with, you know, sound and voice acting with Star Wars since Phantom Menace. So, how does his like experience in Star Wars like affect the show? Oh, I mean, you know, it's great to have Matt on the show. Just one, not only does he do a great performance with Roger and bring so much, bring so much humanity to this poor down battle droid, um, but you know, beyond that. He, 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 uh, we told this story before, but I'll tell it again. He, uh, you know, Matt sits there surrounded by millions and millions of dollars of the world's best recording equipment, right? Um, he's literally got a world-class sound booth, literally okay, he's up in his chair. He could, he could go in there and record all he his lines. He almost gets it when he gets out of his chair. Yeah. He, could, he could record all his lines there, but... He wants to record with the rest of the cast. And every time we have a session, he flies down here to Burbank uh, from from the ranch from San Francisco. And just to make sure that, you know, he's there because he knows the performance is better all around when everybody's in the booth together, which, you know, we appreciate that so much. And then you add on top of that, he's listening to our sound design and offering tips and handing handing out uh, the the authentic sound effects where we need them and, and making sure that everything sounds like legitimate Star Wars. And, and it creates, it creates, it creates, it creates. Uh, so 
the sound of the uh, Star Scavenger and uh, the Eclipse Fighter, mm-hmm. all, all those good. Are two, two new ships coming up in the season two? The Arrowhead and the Tracker one, he created the coolest sound of the Maya. Even funny things like the ambient hum of the wheels. Yeah, yeah he, he created. Matt created that. Um, so, you know, all we can say is we are forever indebted to Matthew Wood, and he's a great guy to work with. And you know Star Wars inside and out, so as you say, the second season for you know since he was seventeen years old, I believe. Yeah. And he he just he knows the legacy and the universe so well, and he can sort of speak into even like what George's thoughts were about the battle droid. I mean, he's told us a few times that you know these guys they just are made with cheap processors. That's kind of why they act the way they sound. And that's a funny idea, but you know, you get to inform like, okay, you know, that maybe explains why they're the way they are. It's like, well, if they could have, could have gone with the more expensive chip, but this is expensive. You know, kind of <laughs> so, um, besides uh, Ray and you know, like Jawas, there aren't really scavengers in the Star Wars universe that get too much focus. So, why? What made you decide to? write about a family of scavengers. Like, what about that appealed to you? Well, that's funny, because that ended up being, uh, again, when we started working on the show, we weren't aware of what was happening in The Force Awakens. So we didn't know that Ray was a scavenger. <laughs> so, I mean, we were never going to pitch it. Yeah, I think we had, but what we, and, and it was probably because it was, oh, we didn't know about it because we would have censored ourselves, whereas for Lucasfilm, they actually thought that that was a part of what they were doing. It felt like it felt uh, consistent with the rest of the universe that they were building. So for us, we thought that one of the fun things about Lego is that you can never break it, right? You you build your kit, and then you can rip the wings off and snap on another pair of wings or, you know, you can rebuild. You're only limited by your imagination. So what we thought was fun about that was you can sort of get the pieces of all these different separate uh, kits and then be constantly making something new and unique. So salvaging in the Lego universe especially felt like it makes sense. And that's why we played up the building uglies or Z-wings or Hamasol. It felt like that's something new as uh, a builder of Lego gets to do time and time again. So you said that, you know, like when you were writing, you didn't really know about Ray being a scavenger. Have there been any other times <laughs> where you were writing something and you found out that something similar was already being done? All the time, yes. <laughs> and, 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 you know, because certain secrets are always being kept, you know, in the Lucasfilm universe, can't we would sort of suggest something and Carrie Beck would get this sort of look on her face and little smile because I can't tell you anymore but you can't do that. I actually remember watching uh, The Force Awakens for the first time. Um, and, you know, we'd, we'd ask them, you know, because we're such fans, we're like, you know what, tell us what we need to know to do our job. We had an episode with Moz so we had to know about the Moz team. Um, but beyond that, we're like, look, don't tell us anything we don't need to know because we want to go into The Force Awakens and just enjoy it and, and be as fresh as possible. Uh, but, as I was watching the first time and enjoying the heck out of it, I noticed, like, oh, that's why we couldn't do that story. And that's why that line got killed. And that's why that sequence we had a plan for. You know, it all fell by the wayside. Because 
Yeah, I was right. I mean, I never even like, and then they find the blue lightsaber, and and you just like, like no, I'm like, but indeed, you know. <laughs> and, and, and even so, there's a couple of moments too where we have in our show a, a moment where they almost crash into a, a snow-covered mountain and they have to pull up real steep and back to the first awakening scale. I was like, well, again, I don't know if we would have done that particular beat had we known that that beat was in the film, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's clearly in both places. But yeah, there's a lot of times it was accidental overlap. <laughs> um, so which of the characters, like all the characters, did you have the most fun writing? Uh, well, I, I'm going to say I, I love all the three makers and choosing between men is, uh, you know, that's like choosing between your children. You just can't do it. I will say it was a special thrill to write the word, the flood for Luke Skywalker. The first time I did that, I actually had to stop stand up from my desk go, wow, I just got like a little chill. I texted Carrie back right away. <laughs> I can't believe I just wrote the word Luke Skywalker in a character line and the thrill and thank you. And she just was like, ah, I get back to work. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up, I grew up worshiping Luke. I still worship Luke. Um, he's my all-time favorite character from anything. So it was, it was a real thrill to write words for Luke Skywalker. Good. If I can piggyback on that thought just for a second, you may not. All right. <laughs> so the most surreal moment of my life, actually for both of our lives, I think, came when we were flying back from uh, Star Wars Celebration Europe last year, mm-hmm. and we were uh, working, working on the show, and I'm listening on the entertainment system in the airplane, listening to the classic trilogy soundtrack, which was surprisingly on there, as we were writing about Luke, while Mark Hamill is right next to me and Bob and I kept looking over and I'm like it's your channel right there we're writing Luke's schedule I'm wearing I'm wearing you know because I wear a Star Wars t-shirt every day I'm wearing a t-shirt that has his face plastered all over it and I'm like trying to cover cover it with my hoodie because I'm slightly embarrassed that you know his face is on my chest while he's it was literally sitting two feet away it was so funny I, I also uh, wrote an email to Carrie at that moment and said it proves that I'm in a coma, but do not wake me up because it's great. <laughs> so that was really fun. But as far as the, the characters, I, I tell you, one of the things I enjoy is all of the all the filmmakers, especially, are really fun for di- different reasons. Mm-hmm. And so when you kind of get those moments, those lines where it really hits, it's a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, when you get the right sort of chance for Zeta Freemaker to, you know, get his box superstar pilot guy kind of lying out there, that's always fun. Um, and Roland's energy is so fun. Uh, Cordy, you know, get, getting the right spin on how she's sort of pulling down the stand to get, you know, past the is a blast. Yeah, that was a good time. Roger, of course, in his... But maybe just like the second season where Roger sort of keeps trying to be optimistic and he's just terrible at it, and that's funny too. Um, but I have to say, 
One of the things that also some of our guests cast, like uh, Gravala and Durkin, they're so much fun because you can write what you think is, you know, the perfect Gravala line. And then it is never comes in. And he gives you this enhanced, uh, improvised performance on that line that just brings it to life in a way that you couldn't possibly begin to match. And I think that's what's always fun is when the actors bring their own take and energy into it, and it, it just becomes way better than you ever imagined. And that is a blast. Yeah. We laugh so much in those recordings. And, um, yeah. And <laughs> I remember time that we are literally pounding the desk in the control room because we're laughing so hard at what we're doing. It's just it's so much fun. So when you're writing, Rowan is like a young, energetic kid. Does the fact that your parents, does that affect how you would write a younger character? Oh, absolutely. And so Rowan and Xander, to some degree, are inspired by Bob's own kids. Yeah. The the scene where Nari is trying to get Rowan to focus on his Jedi training are directly lifted from me trying to get my son to do the public. Yep. 100%. <laughs> where those scenes come from. even gets the red facial tattoos and it's really... <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Short answer, super yes. Xander's love of... Uh, Vehicles comes directly from uh, your oldest son's just mania over cars, all things And the board, 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 board stuff also came from. Yeah. So it's very lifted and uh, from our our families collectively. So you know about family. There's uh, the show focuses a lot on the importance of the family, the freemakers' relationship to each other. And there's, you know, there's a lot of family stuff in Star Wars, so how does, what makes the Freemakers different from most other Star Wars families? So what makes them different from the most famous Star Wars family, which is uh, the Skywalkers, is, uh, you know, they are a family that is together. Like, you know, Luke and his dad obviously has an issue. Uh, but we wanted to tell a story where the family was there, as complete as it can be, and obviously the parents aren't there, but um, you know, we want to tell the story of a tight-knit family in the Star Wars universe, not the family that you see slowly revealed, which is what you know, the original trilogy does. It starts with a story about a boy, and then by the end of The Empire Strikes Back, you realize it's a story about a boy and his father, and then by the end of Return of the Jedi, you're like, oh no, it's a boy and a father and his sister. It's all three of them. And then we go back in time to you know, see how father got with mom and how that all happened. Um, yeah, we wanted to tell stories that like family was right there from the beginning, um, as informed as it was going to be. Uh, because family is, you know, the, the, one of the very first thoughts we had is that, you know, comic kind of family back then, you know, that family is the common thread between Star Wars um, and between uh, and between Lego. Like Lego is this thing that in here in the real world you do as a family. You can build with your children. You can play those Star Wars video games with your kids. Um, I mean, those are all family activities. You can go to Lego together. Um, yeah, you know, and often kids are introduced to the Lego experience by their parents who are building with them. Right. And, by, and introduced to Star Wars. Right. Lego. 
so yeah, it's it, Lego is this you know super or is it, sorry, not Lego. Family is this this thing that runs through both franchises, and it felt like yeah, we got that's where we got to start. We got to start with the family. That's the DNA of both things. And and our goal too was we wanted the show to be enjoyed by families. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really we wanted this to be something that you know it's not just for kids. It's for adults and parents and to watch with the kids and and for families to even talk about. Right, because there's uh, you know sometimes there's some conflict, and uh, even in season two, there's a little bit of uh, conflict between how do you deal with that and how do you deal when you have different goals and, and that kind of thing. Uh, right. So I, I hope that we are somewhat reflective of what families actually have to deal with each other. So you know, you said you you know people are introduced you know with their families building sets. So what do you have any favorite Lego Star Wars? Sets. <laughs> so, you know, the 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 cheat there is to say, you know, building the star scavenger with my kids. That was, you know, far and away the greatest Lego building experience I've ever had. Where, you know, <laughs> when we were done, my son picked it up and flew around the house seeing the starters, seeing the stars in his lungs. So, there's that. Um, that's cheating motive to pick stuff from our show. Uh, I'll say, uh, <laughs> I'll say, long before we had kids, my wife gave me a TIE fighter. Um, this is very early in the Star Wars line, uh, the Star Wars the Star Wars line, and it came with a little Darth Vader where you press his head down uh, and it activates the LED in his lightsaber, so his lightsaber actually lights up. Uh, and I love that set, so... Um, that's my favorite. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, personally, I love, love the uh, arrowhead. That, but again, that's from our show, so I have to discount that. And also, I just recently, my, my oldest son, I just turned 25, and on his birthday, one of the things he wanted to do was build Star Wars Lego together. So he, he had the ATSC he was building, and I think I was working on the, uh, the, and it may have been, Anyway, I was, um, oh I, I had the uh, Ultimate Collector Series uh, Red Side X-Wing, and that thing was phenomenal. I, I just love building it. It's so detailed, and it's just, it's definitely cool. But the um, same color, it was also a blast. It has so much functionality and fun things that you could do and it's, uh, it, I mean I, I actually like to build Lego so therapeutically even like after the end of a long day uh, I'll I'll do a bag at night a bag it takes about an hour to get through with one bag and it's kind of it's nice sort of using a different part of my brain and, and uh, it's very relaxing um so when you were uh building the show I guess you made Garbala the Hutt and his the bounty hunter he hired to help him with the Freemakers is Dengar. Is there a reason you chose Dengar out of all the bounty hunters in the universe? Yeah. yeah. The reason we chose Dengar is Dengar makes us laugh. Like, <laughs> I love the Empire Strikes Back. It's an awesome movie. But that series, see the bounty hunters, 
there's one cool, fearsome bounty hunter after another, you know, top of that, he pulled a fat out of his His boss, he snarling at the guy down in the pit in the Star Destroyer, and, and uh, there's IG-88 in mind, like, you know, seeing all these characters, Buckets and 4 l one like, what, what, what are the stories behind all these guys? And then you get to the guy who looks like, like he was in a Three Stooges movie and just had his tooth pulled, and <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you okay? character mentioned it, but when someone said he had a, a diaper on his head, I, I had to like pause the show and laugh, because that's always what I thought, but no one ever like said it, and then yeah. someone said it, and it's like, yes! That's right! That's what he looks like, right? Yeah. You know, look, if your goal is fear and trembling when you're, you know, chasing after somebody, perhaps that choice of headgear was not <laughs> And so, you know, speaking of other characters... For customer on that, it's like, look, we're out of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, speaking of other characters appearing in the show, so far we've seen Chopper, Hera, and Quarry. Can we... Can you tell tell me if we can expect any more Rebels characters, or is that a secret? We cannot. We cannot tell you. That would be a spoiler. We cannot tell you. Okay. <laughs> I would say, I'll say this. Um, I wouldn't get your hopes up. Okay. But, yeah. I had to try. tell you Yeah. All right, I had to try. Um, but also, so in past few years, Star Wars has been becoming more inclusive to women. So how do you handle that kind of thing with, you know, like Cordy or Nare? Uh, well, he put them in the show. Start with that. Uh, you know, uh, I'll say Carrie Beck is a tremendous resource in this case. But you know, she's constantly looking over our shoulders, going, "Guys, your your sex isn't been showing." You know, what? What? Oh, we didn't even realize. Let's take that out. Um, you know, it, it's uh, we, we've got great actresses in uh, Vanessa Lindsay who plays Cordy and uh, Greg Griffin who plays Nare. They they are both such strong actresses who bring such 
question so roger is one of two battle droids in star wars with a hero role the other one being mr bones from the aftermath books but roger is (coughs) unlike mr bones huh did you say something oh okay sorry um so roger is one of the two battle droids in star wars that has a hero role and the other one is mr bones from the aftermath series but unlike Mr. 
And like Mr. Bones, Roger has not been completely reprogrammed, and he still remembers fighting with the Separatists, so how does Roger, being a past bad guy, affect the way you write him? Uh, we don't think of Roger as a bad guy at all. He, he, he's been, he's been uh, reprogrammed. I mean, it, was a, it was that one episode where he did, you know, early on, I think he realized that where, where Zane has explained to him, no, 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 in the Clone Wars, you were the bad guy. And he's like, what? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, what, here's, here's the thing about droids in the Star Wars universe. They all roll off assembly lines, but they all have little individual personalities that can't be accounted for by programming. You know, nobody R2 is different than R5. Yeah. Nobody would program a droid to be like C-3PO, and yet there he is, right? Um, and, and the same sort of true with Roger, you know? I'm sure there was some reprogramming done at some point on him to get him to stop streaming, you know, die Jedi stuff. The heart of Roger was always, it was there from the moment he rolled off the assembly line. But, you know, Roger was Roger, and he's not a bad guy. He didn't really, you know, he, he had a job to do and he, a purpose he was made for, but he never really embraced that. Yeah. Well, he, he, he brought the propaganda of the Jedi with the bad guys. Yeah. So it really was quite a surprise for him that it didn't really turn out that way. Right. Uh, so that, that, we, never, we never think of Roger as a former bad guy. We think of him as a guy who was, you know, misguided, um, mistaken, but, you know, he, he, he is, from the moment he rolled off the assembly line, he's been doing what he thought was the right thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, I mean, I don't really have anything, so I guess I'll let you go. Okay, well, thank you so much. This was really, really fun. Yeah. And I, uh, we're honored to be on show. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. Um, it's an honor being able to have you on. Oh, awesome. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well. Okay. Well. Um, Lizzie here. Zoe, if you uh, or Bill and Bob, I can send Zoe the um, recording. Yeah. Okay. So I will send uh, Lizzie. I'll send you the recording, and then you can forward it on. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Okay. All right. Awesome, guys. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 Um, okay, so I'll sign off. Uh, thank you for listening. I had a lot of fun with um, was Bill Motts and Bob Roth from, you know, from Star Wars. Uh, from Okay. Hello? Okay. Um, I would like again to uh, thank Bill. No, no, not that. Um, I would like again to thank uh, Bill and Bob for, you know, being on the show. It was a lot of fun talking to them about Freemakers and Star Wars in general. And Lego, of course. And so uh, thank you to them, and I hope to everyone listening, I hope, uh, you know, may the Force be with you, uh, and goodbye. Star Wars Geek Girls They're geek girls that like Star Wars And sometimes cry.